Comics in Motion is thrilled to be partnering with Humble to become Humble Partners. If you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to Humble Bundle where you can get some access to some amazing stuff. Digital comics, digital books, video games, coding manuals. The amount of stuff that you can get there is obscene. Plus, you get it at a ridiculous discount. So here's what you need to do. Click that link, go to Humble Bundle. Not only are you going to get great stuff at a great deal, but you're also going to support a charity and you're going to help Comics in Motion keep the lights on. So click the link, go to Humble Bundle, get yourself some amazing stuff. Thanks. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am The Night. Where we spend time looking at an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. The hope here is that we can do a deep dive on an indie comic you may have missed or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterwards. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News and Fantastic Universes. I've been reading comics since I was 12, and while I love a good superhero battle, I gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels because they give artists a chance to connect with readers in different ways and tell stories they may not have been able to tell with traditional comics or traditional novels. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Well, my guest this week is a pop culture uh, genius, in my opinion, and we'll have that conversation apparently because as I gave him this compliment off air, he, he made a face, so uh, which you can't see in the podcast medium. So uh, the, the brain behind I Am Jack's musings. Jack, welcome to Indie Comic Spotlight. Thank you very much, Tony. Yes, and it's an honor to talk to you because I'm a fan of your show, so thank you. I, I appreciate it, and I'm a fan of your work. And I, what I like about your, um, your reviews is that because it's your own website, um, sometimes you go really long, and sometimes it's almost like just bullet points, like here's some... But, you know, honestly, sometimes that's all you want. Sometimes as a, as a reader, you don't want the full... 70 page Roger Ebert, you know, like, and then on, you know, on page three of the script, you're just kind of giving us um, your insight, but you can tell that it's not just a flash in the pan, that there's something behind it. You know what you're talking about. None of your reviews are ever like, this is crappity crap. This is the suckiest suck that ever sucked to quote Homer Simpson. You don't ever do that. So um, I appreciate that. So what, tell everybody a bit about your site and then we'll talk about your comic book origin story and we'll get into our topic so what, tell everybody about it what you do there sure i mean um i just did it for fun really i did it for myself um about 10 years ago probably i used to write uh, film reviews for a newspaper in london that's where i'm based um i did it on top of just a normal job it was still really it was fun to be honest it was an opportunity to to go to screenings to see films early and for free and it was great and i sort of 
decided partway through that to keep it as it was, to not try and pursue a job, to not turn it into anything else, um, because it was so enjoyable. A friend of mine from way back at university, he still does it. So, and, and again, I think you know, for him, it's still about the love of of watching and, and reviewing and, and engaging, rather than it being a, a job. And then I had kids, and all of that kind of stopped for a little while, um, as it does. As it does. And then, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just sort of started up again, almost like a diary, I suppose. I think you know, I was interested in in how I was watching things and what my tastes were and what I was going through. Uh, my partner and I do a his and hers pick. So we'll go through a whole season of, um, you know, a whole run of a show from beginning to end. You just did Lupin, for example. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. That was a her pick, although I enjoyed it very much. Um, and I was quite interested. I, it's a bit geeky, isn't it? But I wanted to see kind of how long it would take to get through it and... Um, and it's led to all these avenues, of course, as these things do, of meeting new people like yourself um, and these other little networks you start building because you find people of similar tastes. It's the joy of, of kind of Twitter and social media now, isn't it? Yeah, when used properly. I feel like um, there's, a, there's a, I was just actually sending a message out to uh, somebody that I follow, we follow each other. She's a kid, I don't know, she's probably in her 20s, but she um, is new to comics and new to Twitter and like her her energy is great and I like reading her thoughts like reading like born again you know, daredevil born again for the first time as like a 22 yeah. year old like I mean that's so cool um and so to like see her see stuff that you know is like I'm I'm 47 so it's like I for you forget so it's cool so she's a cool follow and she's you know I like her insight into what you know she thinks about comics and everything but she's you know because she's a woman who likes comics there's always a bunch of assholes out there and that's the downside, but I would, I'm with you for the most part, um, like nerd Twitter is a cool, mm. is a cool place. And, and, you know, um, I got this gig because I listened to the comics in motion show, Chris and Dave, and I loved it. And I sent them a message just one day. I was like, you guys should do speed racer. Cause that's one of my favorite movies, which I know most people hate. And, um, they hated it, but it was, that was our con. That was kind of how I, just as a just as a fan, and so then we started talking. Then I came on, and the movie I picked, they also hated. But yet, so here I am with the show. So um, it it is. It's an amazing opportunity for nerds to get out, and I love reading your stuff. And uh, um, again, like you said, it's it's a like you said, it's a bit nerdy, but that's the joy of it, right? Is is you sure. find your people, you block the turds. You don't have to. You know, that's what I said to that woman today. I'm like, block. This is bullshit. Block that guy. Stop. Just stop engaging. Yeah. Just block him deal with the people who respect you and are happy that you're here. You know, the toxic fandom is weird, isn't it? It's very strange. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm the same as you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've been lucky and I've not experienced that much or whether it's what you power, you get back. I don't know. I just, I, I try to be a more positive force and I try to surround myself with only people that, as you said, feel like they have a, a similar attitude and, and similar interests. Um, but when you see it with other people and what they face and what what lengths people go to to try and argue their point, I, I find it a bit scary, actually. Yeah, it's weird because like you and I, we like we don't uh, like I read your reviews. I don't and you you aren't afraid to post a negative review of something. You'll read a comic or you watch a show and you'll be like, eh. but but you're you're acknowledging that it's not for you. You're not saying this is garbage and anybody who likes it should burn in hell. You're just like, meh. This one isn't for me. We just like with your new girl thing, you and I were talking and then Kyle Stuke, a friend of mine chimed in um, because I quit watching it. 
because it, I got annoyed mm. with the show. It didn't it's not that the performances was bad. It's not that I thought I thought I love those actors, but it was just kind of like I lost it. You're entitled. I know people loved it. One of my one of our daughters watched it right to the end and loved every second of it. So um, that's the beauty of of that. In this show, we're gonna agree and disagree. I'm sure a little bit about some of the some of the Firefly stuff that we're gonna talk about, and that's cool. And uh, I think that's the best part about having dialogue and debate instead of. And I think that's what your website does. Is it is you're you're giving us one man's opinion who then you're you're asking us to comment back. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, it's. It, I think you used the word. It's important. It's dialogue. It's not yeah. rhetoric. It's not. I'm right. It's. It's fun talking about this. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. It's awesome. Yeah, and so I'll obviously link to the to the page in the show notes and everything, so uh, people will go and read your reviews. And you are very engaging, and that's just how we met. Just I started reading your stuff, and we just started commenting on each other's stuff, and uh, and it's cool. It's such a. It's it's been fun, and honestly, like most of the people I, I talk to are on, on your side of the pond, not mine. So it's, for whatever reason, it must just be like I hit, I, I, in a past life I was English and so it's fine. <laughs> um, it is true, this is super weird. When I was a kid, I actually instinctively spelled with the British spelling. Oh, like okay. I, had, I had to learn to spell the American way. Like my instinct was to spell like with U's and it was weird, so. So yeah, correct, correct me, you mean? Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually I read a book. Um, it's called The Mother Tongue, and it's uh, and it's about um, an American woman who teaches um, English in England, and so she and raising her children there, and so like that weird, um, you know, that weird uh, battle between American English mm. and British English is pretty. It was a pretty fascinating book. Uh, I can send you a link if you're into linguist literature. It's pretty fascinating. <laughs> There's some things which just you know that they go both ways, don't they? I think if I probably wrote. Kick ass, for instance, I'd probably write it with two S's because otherwise it's kick ass, right? And that doesn't sound as good. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. See, all right, I'll send you a link to the book. It's pretty fascinating as, yeah. as a fellow wordsmith. So, um, so you read a lot of comics, it seems. So let's tell everybody um, your comic book origin stories. Like, how, when did you first pick up a comic and what was it to your member and what do you read now? Is there things you like better than others? Tell us, tell us your journey. Sure. I mean, I'm a little bit younger than you. I turned 40 this year. Um, obviously, interesting year for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, luckily for me, it was just before everything hit here, so I did had to. I got to have a bit of a celebration. Yeah. Uh, nice. It was nice. Um, but I've got a brother that's eight years older than me. So um, by the time I'm getting into it in the mid 80s, I suppose, or that that idea is interesting to me. He's a teenager basically, and he's buying stuff. Um, and I'm sneaking into his room, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Listen to this. This is this is where he's going to find out this information. Oh no. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know. So I'd sneak in his room, and he'd have them all carefully kept in his plastic wallets, and I would yeah. slide them out and read them and put them back, and in exactly the same spot. And it's a bit scary already at that age that you're able to do that kind of stuff. So I read some stuff probably way too early. Um. I don't know, I was trying to think, I used to go in, uh, things that really stick in my head, I was thinking about this, like I said, from listening to your show before I knew you'd ask, but um, 2000 AD, of course, in that era, so I'm reading those, I was particularly drawn to Rogue Trooper, more than Dread. Which I've, not, which I've read Dread and um, DR and Quinch, and, a few, and we're going to do a show on um, Halo Jones, but I've not read, um, I've not read uh, that, so Rogue Trooper, good. Yeah, I don't know why, I was just very drawn to that character, I found it, his kind of, his story fascinating. 
Um, you had the Claremont Wolverine, so the Wolverine in Japan, which, of course, absolute classic. I must have read that numerous, I don't know how many times before. Um, I should have done definitely, considering the content of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else did he used to have? Booster Gold, I think. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Again, Those which had that great, kind of... Yeah, they were such a great... They were in... Um, they, they each had their own titles, but they were in um, Justice League Europe for a while together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they were really funny. And these are like vague memories, really. Yeah. And the one that's always stuck there for me, and I, I don't know how I would ever find it. Maybe you're about to tell me. I swear there was a Captain America comic, and he was in like a danger room kind of situation and it was just you know i don't know like a training scenario and things were going wrong and i i would reread and reread and reread and reread just that single issue huh. i've never read it ever since that age i don't know what it was it probably doesn't even exist in the way well, i remember it your brother will chime in and tell us because i don't remember <laughs> that one absolutely yeah that's awesome um, that would actually be pretty cool captain cap in the and uh, charles xavier's danger room that'd be cool i'd watch i would read that yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, for some reason that's in my head. I don't know if it even exists. It does now. If not, we'll, we'll see if we can put that out. Maybe somebody like it. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Fantastic. Nice. And then I think probably similar to a lot of your guests you've had before, I went through that teenage stepping away a little bit, um, you know, finding football more interesting, getting a part-time job, having money, discovering girls, um, all the usual stuff, really. And then came back to it around the mid-aughts, probably. Um, to be honest, what drew me back as a, as a full-time reader, as a, like I'm going to start buying single issues and, and really getting into it, was the Buffy launch, was the launch of season eight of Buffy. Yeah, oh, and that was amazing. That boom. Yeah. I loved that. Or the, the Dark Horse Buffy was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a massive fan of the show, as I think a lot of people of, you know, of that yeah. era were. So to know it was coming back drew me right in. There she is. Yeah. Um, so I've read a few things because I had such good stuff. So I'd read all of like 100 Bullets and Why the Last Man. And I read Walking Dead until I don't know how, what, how much I should say, but until a certain character was killed horribly with a baseball bat. And that, um, that turned me <laughs> off it. Sure. OK. I don't know why. When he went, I was like, I'm not interested anymore. Um, but I know you've done Walking Dead, so I don't want to say too much in yeah, case yeah. you come back later. Yeah. So then, yeah, Buffy, I started picking up. And around that same sort of time, there seemed to be some really interesting comics coming out. Um, Kick-Ass came out, having mentioned that title earlier. Um, X-Force came out, the Carl and Yost run, mm -hmm. um, which I absolutely loved. And then the Boys, uh, Ennis's The Boys came out. Right, it started in DC and moved to Dynamite. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. missed that first DC section, but once it gone to Dynamite, I obviously went back. And so yeah. all of that just drew me in, and that was it. From that day forwards what's that now about 15 years probably I've been back in fully and never really left yeah it's it's it I think as you said I think that is a pretty common story mm. we we all have to walk because it is it is um not a cheap hobby um, yeah and so that's part of the issue like when I was a kid you know I would go when you're just getting into them I would go to like flea markets I don't know if you guys have stuff like that like swap like mm. just like yeah. fairgrounds where people just like sell cheap shit and I would go and like find full boxes like i'll take this whole box for like 10 bucks i didn't see it i don't even know what's in it um because they just people just wanted to guess so i found a ton of great stuff in there and i would just be piecing things together and um so that's how i would just grab whatever i could get whatever's in this box i'm going to sit and read and i found some really i found some like turtles in there 
And um, you know, that's like my first indie comics was the Turtles. Um, and that was in, in real time, like in the mid eighties when that Mirage stuff came out, I got it. And then there was a, a I'm from Michigan and there's a comic company called Caliber that was out of Detroit. And Guy Davis did a thing called Baker Street that a friend of mine was a big Baker Street fan. And it was like a goth punk Sherlock Holmes. It was stunning. Wow. So we would read those. I mean, that is, if you get a chance, Guy Davis, Baker Street, seriously, um, that was pretty amazing. And like Mike Barron's The Badger. So like a lot of the early stuff I read was kind of like this weird, like just random floppies that you found at conventions or laying around. Yeah. And that's, and then, you know, for me, it wasn't so much my teenage years. I collected all through high school. So I had a job. So that's what I use my money on. And I'm an introvert. I wasn't a, um, I didn't drink or smoke or do anything in high school. So I was like home with books and comic books. And that was kind of my life. So it was when I had kids that I had to stop. Like when the kids were, so there's like a, a gap there where you're just so broke, like right after college and through when I had kids. So that was my hiatus. And then libraries actually have been my saving grace where you can go in and you know, trades are all collected now. And when I was younger, and you know, when you were younger still, when your brother was collecting them, trades were rare. Mm. You had to get the floppies. It wasn't, now it's every six issues, it's just going to come out in a trade. And it was not that way. Um, so when the lot, you know, discovering that I could go to libraries and get stuff, that really helped. Yeah, fill nice. In my, fill in my gaps. Like I read most of the New 52 just that way. And I know the okay. New 52, a lot of people hate it. I I kind of enjoyed it because coming back into comics and having this fresh start and just being like, okay, I can just pretend that other stuff went away. And that's kind of what's happening. That can be our segue into this because you mentioned Buffy. So Dark Horse, who is, we're going to talk mostly about Dark Horse. Dark Horse and Joss Whedon did Buffy, Angel. Faith had a series. It was Faith and Angel. Um, Giles had a mini. Willow had a couple that actually um, Amber Benson wrote. Amber Benson, That's right, wrote, yeah. yeah, some Willow and Tara stuff, which was, you know, those were kind of obviously in the past because the the Buffy um, seasons eight, nine, ten, and eleven were all in continuity, mm. as are these, as are what we're about to talk. These are in the Firefly continuity, so that was cool. So it was like the continuation of stuff, um, and then now there's this boom reboot, right, which is kind of like a switch, and it's a new way in for new readers who maybe have never read those old shows. Like maybe they just saw Buffy, you know, they hear about Buffy and they're like, oh, so it's kind of a new, literally unto each generation. There is a new Slayer and now there is a new um, Serenity sort of. So, um, you know, we, we'll talk about that. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna focus on Firefly. You're a big Firefly fan too, but Buffy's your favorite. So are you like me where your favorite show is Buffy but you of the verse, but you think Firefly is the best one? hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. It's, cra- it's crazy, right? It's the nostalgia, isn't it? You know, I think I was 16 maybe when Buffy came out. So I'm right peaking the moment of, of identifying with what's happening in the show. Uh, but Firefly absolutely annihilates it in terms of quality. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and we don't know what would have happened because we only have this one season in the movie. And we don't know that if there would have been like a, a lull, like season five of Buffy, you know, is a lull and part of season six is until the musical episode. You know, it's like there's some lulls in there. Um, that could have happened. We'll never know. You know, so that's that's what makes it stand out. But it is, it's like a perfect season of TV and uh, the movie was great. So, um, so yeah, I'm with you. And I actually missed it, like in its real time. It was one of those things where I was in college when it was happening and it just, 
the way that it was released, right? They released it out of order and then Fox canceled mm. it. So I didn't, I didn't really get into it till later, but then when I did, I was like, well, this is just amazing. It's the best. Um, and so what happened is, is Boom Studio or Dark Horse decided after the success of Buffy, Joss was like, cool, let me capitalize. <laughs> and he started this. So that's what we're gonna talk about is the legacy, Firefly, the legacy. So what was it maybe like five or six years of Firefly comics that weren't really released as a series, but were released as little vignettes over time? Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't even think. It felt like a long gap between each one as well. Yeah. Um, and, think, and there was never any announcement. It was just kind of... It would be to, at your shop. Yep. I had to have like at my shop in Jackson for a while, Jackson, Michigan for a while, I'd be like, look, if anything, Firefly Serenity comes out, just hold it. And then I'll know, I'll show up and it'll just be in the box. And I had no idea. Yeah. Um, nice way to discover yeah. it. I mean, I could have, you know, paid attention to the internet. It existed, but I didn't, you know, the comic shop guy. Being old like me, that was how you found out everything comic related anyway, it was just at your local comic shop. So, um, okay, so here we are. So the coolest thing about the Serenity Firefly series is that some of it takes place pre-movie and some of it takes place post-movie. Um, so what do you make to that? Because as we just said, we didn't get a full series. We got 12 episodes and a movie. So what do you make to those, well, before we talk about the after stuff and Zoe having sure. and the preacher story, what do you think of those ones where the full team is there, stuff that kind of is like filling in the gaps that you missed? Um, how do you think those, those stories hold up to the show? And is there one in particular that you'd like to, you know, chat about a little sure i mean i think there's pros and cons isn't there because your pro is that you get wash back sorry anybody spoilers for serenity i mean um, i feel like everybody knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and josh knew the right josh sorry knew the right character to take out didn't he, he knew how much that one was gonna hurt yeah um, he did so that's the bonus you get washed back but i think um the con is that of course, you're left knowing that there's that step on for River and you really want to discover where that goes. So I think it was very clever of them actually to set them in those two different time periods. Because yeah. in one you're happy and in the other you're happy and then in one you're wanting something else, but you know you're going to get it later on. So, Yeah, and how do you, what do you make of, well, let's kind of talk about the characters and how they translate to comic books. And do you mm -hmm. think that maybe, I think River gets the best the comic book suits River best, is my opinion, right. um, because of her abilities, and not that um, not that Summer Glau is a bad actor or anything, but I just think that there, you, the budget is infinite in a comic book, so the stuff that River can do, you don't have to have a stunt person or special effects or do anything, you just do it. So I feel like, I think she really benefits from the comics, and I'll have to say, like, Simon is, of course, my least favorite character on the ship. I feel like he's everybody's least, least yeah, I think so. Okay, but River's just slightly less. I mean, they're the lowest too on my ranking. So, okay. But, but the comic books, and I hear from that sound, you disagree. But the comic book gives her <laughs> so much more. So, where do you have her ranked on the on the crew? Like, uh, that's an interesting point. I just don't think I'd have her right at the bottom. But I mean, to be fair, other than Simon, which is so unfair on on that on that guy, I can't think what his name is the actor right now. Um, Sean Mayer, is it Sean Mayer? Yes, Sean Mayer, yeah. I mean, he's great. It's just, he never really gets 
motivation, I don't think, for growth between the pilot and the movie. No, none at all. So in the pilot, you get, that's amazing. He's done that for his sister. That's really meaningful. And then in the movie, you kind of get that flashback and see what he went through. And unfortunately, in between in those episodes we've got, it's just, he's just kind of there on the ship, isn't he? He's another member. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's any fault of his, really. I think I was just always intrigued by, by, by River's story. Um, and having been invested in Buffy and having been invested in, in Angel, you know that he's got something special coming, I think, for that character. So I was just always kind of waiting for it to happen. I agree, though. I mean, the comics are where her character has shone since. And for exactly the reason you said, they can get her to do whatever she wants, which is what's been brilliant about all the kind of Weedonverse comic stuff is that imagination can run wild. Right, yes, because in the reboot of Buffy, Dawn's a giant. Or in season eight, Dawn's a giant, which you wouldn't have right, been able yeah. to do that on the show. Like, there's no budget for making Dawn a giant. So if he had that written in his original season eight script, he's like, cool, we dodged a bullet. Now I can do this. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think watching River, I think what, what the comic books do for River is, um, and this is, and you can, I'd like your thoughts on this too, that the artistry takes us beyond what Summer Glau's or, you know, any of their acting talents are, but again, specifically with River, her, her, her contortionist ability is cranked up to 11. She's almost like daredevil level of, of skill yeah. in here. And her, the way that um, they capture, you can tell it's supposed to be Summer Glau, but you can also see the way that her face looks, the distance looks in her eyes. I feel like we get more out of it. And maybe it's just because comic books are a still medium. And in the show, she's on, she's always moving. She's very, very, very rarely still. And when River is still, that's bad. Nothing good is about to happen, right? So in the comics, even in her action and her frenetic energy, the, the artists are man, managed to capture um, something that's happening in her head and on her face. That's what I think. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um... I'm not sure what to add, really. I mean, I think you've, you've covered with bases. I mean, I think, again, um, I guess we'll get there, but some of the later Dark Horse stuff, when we start to get more about um, the, the whole operation behind what was going on with her, that's the moment, isn't it, where... Yeah, talk right about it. It doesn't matter. Don't go in any order. Talk right about it. Go. Yeah. So obviously, we get the introduction of all the other... Um, I can't think what the name of them is now. They, you know, they've got a name for... like They're not the operatives, are they? Because that's, that's the guys who chase them. But for all the, all the girls that they've been um, experimenting yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, right. They suddenly get introduced, don't they? Um, it's almost like a surprise. Here's this panel. Suddenly there's all these girls who um, yeah. are just like River. It's like, a, it's like a, a Black Widow kind of situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think she's afforded um, almost immediately massive character growth at that point because she doesn't start fighting them necessarily or you know, she will defend herself. but her thoughts are immediately about protecting these people and saving them and bringing them into the fold and creating um, a family for them like she's had on Serenity. Yeah. And I think that's a really important character moment for River to show how far she's come from that that pilot and she's got no, no sense of kind of mental state at all to prioritising other people. And that's, and that, and do you think that, again, because the show is so short, so, so to mm. whom... Do you credit that? Do you credit that to Kaylee? Do you credit that to Inara? Like, who do you think is the person? 
because it isn't it isn't Simon. Simon is no. just the big brother. He he isn't interested in River's growth. He's only interested in protecting her, and so he mm. neglects her. And again, he doesn't mean to. He, that's why he's everybody's least favorite character, but he's serving such an important purpose in the movie and in the comic that that is the most consistent thing. Him just kind of standing in one place, even in the way that he is relationship with Kaylee. So who do you, who is responsible? Do you take, or do you think it's a group effort for making River kind of grow? Mm. Up? I think those two those two are definitely a massive influence. I think you've got to talk about the relationship she has with Kaylee and the friendship and um, how that helps her to rediscover her kind of innocence and and childhood exuberance. And I think that's that's beautiful when you see that on the show. And then Anara is really important in terms of who maybe she could grow to be. Yeah. But then I think Mao as well, in terms of Mao's moral standpoint and his, uh, th- I mean, you know, I think he says it in the show, doesn't he? You're part of my crew. You're yeah. part of my crew. So that means I'll do anything to protect you. She clearly gets a lot from that. And I think that moment at the end of the Serenity movie, when you have the two of them. Sitting, um, in, sitting in Wash's seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that sign, isn't it? I think of, of how much he influence he's had upon her as well. Yeah. No, I think I think that's true. And what do you what do you? So obviously you like the fact that River is getting a backstory and that we're understanding more mm-hmm. that it is like a Red Sparrow situation where where and you could always I think there were always hints of that that she she there wasn't just one that it was mm-hmm. a, you know they wouldn't spend all this resources but for whatever reason she just she's the most special she's the Buffy character and and let's be fair Joss likes to do that right he's got a you know. He's got a pattern. Even when he wrote the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, um, he still followed that structure. There's always going to be the one special woman who is better than everybody. There's also kick-ass women all around, but there's always one who's, who's the most special. That For whatever yeah. reason, that's his thing. Um, and so you saw that coming, but I, 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 you know, what, do you, what do you make of it? And, and then what do you, how do you feel about the fact that now that we're in Boom, that, mm. that story's over, and do you feel mm. like um i guess just how do you feel about that i think it's a loss if i'm honest um yeah like like so i guess we're going to touch upon boom but i mean how much we're going to i don't yeah. know i think yeah probably not much but it's worth mentioning because i think the reason i think it's worth mentioning is kind of like a bridge is that we're focusing on the dark horse comics but there is such a big change in some mm. cases into the boom but then like mal and Inara, that's that's less of a change and so like why yeah. do we think that is but but really because i think river River is the is the MacGuffin in the Firefly universe, right? This, there's no Firefly without River. And again, she's my least, she's my, and it's close, right? Like, she's <laughs> towards the bottom. Like, it's Sinaiman and then everybody. Like, Wash, Kaylee, yeah. you know, like, between Wash and Kaylee, I'm torn when which of them are my favorite. But, um, but everybody else is real tight. You know, River is amazing as a character. I love everything about her, and you do want to, you, you sympathize with Simon because you want to protect her, but you're also like, go kick everybody's ass. You're awesome. No power in the verse can stop me. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've said that or written that in places. Like, I'll do something <laughs> and somebody will be like, that was awesome. And I'll be like, no power in the verse can stop me. And, and um, so, but I, but I feel like, so that's the bridge we can talk about. So she has this incredible, you know, growth. And like you said, now, now she doesn't have it. So where would you, where would you like to have seen it gone with Dark Horse? with the way that it ends, um, where did you see her story go? Yeah, I do, I do think that's a real loss. Um, and I think, 
I don't think Boom's gone the direction I was hoping the universe might have gone. Um, who am I to say? But um, yeah, I think I think Dark Horse would really getting it right at the point that it stopped, which is a real shame. I think the first couple of runs they did were good. And then I'm sure we'll talk in depth about um, Shepherd's Tale, which is... Which is the best. Yeah, mind-blowing. Um, but I think all that kind of Zack Whedon era, yeah. which is what, no, no power in the verse and... Uh, Leaves on the wind. Leaves on the wind, isn't it? Yeah. I think are really, really strong as well. And he really has the voices of the characters. Um, this is this is Joss's little brother, right, Zach? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it makes sense he understands it, but yeah, it's a, I guess it's the Chris Jonathan Nolan thing. They maybe they're just so in tune. I'm not sure. Yeah, or like the Cohens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be that situation. Like I know that I guess Francis McDormand said when they make movies. Um, and she's in the movies. She has to have her own room because the brothers have to live together when they're making movies. Okay. And that Francis, like that, like that Francis McDormand is in the next room and it's connected, you know, because she's married to what Ethan. But um, but when they're working on a movie, they have to be together all the time, most of the time, and so it's hard for so they just stay in their own place and no one's even the wife and sister-in-law is not invited in because it's like a weird boys-only brother room. So maybe it is <laughs> that way for them. I don't know. Um, I think that Joss gets the best out of, um, obviously, his writers in this Dark Horse. You mm. can feel his fingerprints. Like, there's occasionally a line where you're like, Joss wrote this line and said, this must be in mm. here. And there's sometimes where you're like, ah, oh, you know, I wish I wish this had more Joss on it. And I know it's, of late, mm. Joss has kind of taken a punch in the face um, with the Ray Fisher stuff um, in the in the DCU universe and everything. But I still feel that it's not like, I feel like we're okay talking about it because we don't really know. And this is the Definitely. only person, and this is the only person who's really ever complained about Joss Whedon in that way. And I'm not pretending what Ray Fisher is saying is false, but I just want to probably should have led with that. Maybe I'll edit this and put it at the beginning. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about this anyway. <laughs> it's, it's innocent till proven guilty, isn't it? So, sure. and it's, you yeah. know, he, he says, he says, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? And, you're on everybody's side until you're on nobody's side, I think. That's true. That is super true. I agree with that. Okay. Anyway, so you think Zach has got the best voice for where this series was going? I do. Yeah, I really do. Um, and because uh, Shepherd's Tale was his first, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I'll look at the... I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of scrolling. I've got it on the side of my screen here. So I'm kind of looking at, at images and stuff to make sure I didn't, uh, I didn't miss anything. I believe that's right, that he did Shepherd's Tale first, and then he comes back and he does... He definitely does Leaves on the Wind as him. And he, yeah. yeah, he and Joss did Shepherd's Tale together. He did It's Never Easy. He did Downtime as well. Yeah. yeah. So they're little one-shot ones, yeah. Those little one-shot ones, but then the Shepherd's Tale and Leaves on the Wind, those are him. Yeah. 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 So I think, yeah, he just, I think that's when the characters sound the most true to me, to the way that yeah. the actors did it in the show. Yeah. Now, whether that's important, I don't know, but um, I, I, I kind of want to hear that when I'm reading a comic, when it's something I'm so invested in, I think. Well, let's, let's talk about that. So, you know, how I had Gleb Melkinov, Melkin, I'm going to say that again, Gleb Melkinov on, we, he's the artist on Angel, the Boom Studios Angel. Mm. And we talked yeah, about this. Yeah, we talked about how the fact that he doesn't, 
he has to acknowledge those actors exist, but it's not like he did when he's drawing Fred, he doesn't try to pull up 50 pictures of, of Amy and go like, make sure that Fred looks, how would, how would Amy look when Fred looks like this? So he, you know, he, he acknowledges that she looks like her, the actor. And, 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 but for what you're saying is you kind of like that better when it is now it, with a, with a dialogue, how do you feel about the way that they look? Do you think that they need to, that the look is equally important to the dialogue or not? No, actually I don't. I mean, I think when I was rereading one of these in, in prep, um, the first ones I read, they were, you know, like you said, kind of the same, but kind of not. That was more bothersome, I think, than either somebody really trying or just kind of doing your own interpretation. I think I'd rather it was just, these are the characters. I think it's the voices definitely that need to need to ring true for me, particularly because Firefly, you know, all of Joss's stuff is about how people talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's in that... He's in that group of characters, like Aaron Sorkin, I think Joss writes, Kevin Smith, there's certain, there's certain writers, directors, um, who, who the way the characters talk is, is more important than anything else. And even how the actors are doing it, if you, if you can't pull it off. And I feel like, I think you're right that there's a couple of these um, in the Dark Horse run that drag where mm. those Joss Whedon ones don't. And it's not that the stories are bad, it's just that the... the because even the Shepherd's Tale, which is really powerful and is a, is something that you feel like you need to take your time with, but it snaps along. It's paced really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I think one of my biggest criticisms about the comic book, and this is something I've been writing in my reviews for the Boom Studios one, is, and I'm just curious your thoughts on this in the comic, how do you like it when there's, the team is split up? Like on the show, the team would be split up, but they're all on the same mission, kind of. Um, but in this, they're split up a lot, and in the new series, they're split up a lot. And do you think that's a positive? Like, do you want to see? Like, I know there's going to be a standalone Wash miniseries that's coming out. Um, okay. That's going to be like Wash pre Firefly. Like how? Because there's the one flashback episode in the show where he's got the yeah. bad mustache. Um, yeah. Which is really funny, and, and I'm sure Alan Tudyk actually grew that mustache for that. But. Um, I, there, I guess there's good, that's going to be. So I'm, I'm curious about that, and I, w- I wonder how you know what, how Josh's Josh's hand will be in that. But I'm I'm just curious. How do you feel about the comic? Do you think that's the, that's a weakness or strength in the comic that we get to spin these guys off and see more of their lives because they have more room to to breathe? Mm-hmm. Does that tie mm-hmm. into what you're saying about when they're split up and the dialogue doesn't crackle because they're not together? Um, I think that's been my my biggest gripe with the boom stuff is since Mal's been away from the rest of the crew and then they all go off into different directions. I think that's been a real problem because I think the show lived on the interactions, on the sparkiness of the characters with each other. Um, even Simon. Uh, even Simon. He had some even good Simon. things. Simon and Jane, right? Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 yeah that's absolutely. I mean, everybody and Jane, but I mean, even Simon and Jane. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's funny though that the it's funny though that Shepherd Book and Jane were weightlifting buddies. They never had oh, any that. trouble. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Anyway, sorry. Um, so yeah, I I didn't notice it as much in the Dark Horse stuff. Of course, I, I it happens, but I think um, I didn't notice it as being as big big an issue. I'm not a massive fan of Float Out, the yeah. the Wash standalone comic. Um, so I. You know, I'm a bit wary of of what Wash will be 
as a miniseries by itself. Um, he's a great character, but I think he needs somebody to bounce off. Him by himself uh, doesn't work. Absolutely. So I guess it depends on on who they choose to to pair him up with in that in that in that miniseries. But I mean, I think my my issue with Flight Out was that it was a Wash comic that didn't feature Wash. Right. It was what I liked about Float Out, and this I. And well, let's just go there. So Float Out was actually written by Pat Oswalt, the yeah. comedian and actor. And and he is such, he kind of has his nerd bona fides, right? You know, like he shows up in the weirdest places, like on shows I love. He was on Justified for a couple of shows. Um, yeah. He was on one episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's like everywhere. Like Pat Oswalt just wants to be nerd out. and He loves what he loves. And, um, I appreciate that. So the fact that he got to write this kind of, it's like a wake, right? That's what it is. It's a wig yeah. for Wash, yeah. where it's it's three of Wash's three of Wash's pals um, telling Wash stories, and um, I kind of found it insightful because I feel like it's canon. I get what you're saying that it's it's really just like kind of like read it, like watching a movie and watching the the director's commentary. That's what it felt like. Sure. Yeah. Do you need it? No. Does it make for? And I don't do this for every movie. Um, but there's a handful of movies that, like, my favorite, favorite movies where I know the writer, director, and lead actors are in. That's really fun to listen to. That's kind of what it felt like. I don't know. Is that a crazy – is that crazy? No, not at all. And I think – I mean, maybe it's an expectation thing, isn't it, you know? I was excited to read a comic that had Wash in it. So yeah. um, when it felt like there was a balance tipped to other people more in the stories about Wash – um maybe that's just where the disappointment came from i'm not sure i i have this minor gripe as well and you know i agree pat noswood is great i mean he's in parks and rec isn't he he's in veronica mars he's in loads of shows that i love but i have this gripe as a as an aspiring writer as so many of us are that people get given these opportunities when they've already had so many i sure. don't know if that bitterness i'm not sure <laughs> but um Right, because they um, didn't ask us. Like, Joss didn't give you a call. He wasn't how like, rude. I hear you're a big Firefly fan. We're writing well, a wake yeah. for, we're writing a wake for Wash. <laughs> um, why don't you do it? And you'd be like, yes, yeah. thanks, Joss. I, I'm in. You don't even have to pay me. I just, I want to. I have done it for free. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Pat Nelson would approach him, didn't he, if I, if I understand it right? What's that? I think Pat Nelson would approach him, didn't he, if I understand it right? He's I like, I've got. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I have met Joss Whedon once, so, you know, it could have happened. If you can remember, so, Joss, if you're listening, the next yeah. one, make sure you get hold of Jack and you can follow the link in the show notes and you definitely want to... Definitely. The nerdy yeah, no. guy that was at the Serenity press conference that said, I've got a question. That was me <laughs> saying, hey, get back in touch, please. Please, yeah. What was your question, out of curiosity? Um, and so this is when there's, this is when I was doing the, the film reviews and this is when these lines really blur, isn't it? I was not there as a film reviewer. And my voice oh. was so so cracked. It was in a, it was so embarrassing. Um, I asked him how it felt uh, getting to get back in touch with all the cast. So how did it feel mm. getting back in touch? Like, well, great, we're going to get to do this. And um, I don't think it was the right question. It, it it didn't fit the room at all because it wasn't really a press conference question. But yeah, I got to speak to Josh Whedon, so you, I was happy. Yeah, you got to fanboy, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, what do you think about um, the baby? The um, that's important to this to this comic book series. It only exists. It I'm saying she only exists in this comic book series. What do you make of that? And how do how do you, like when you realize that Zoe was pregnant and then mm. that they made two whole series about it? Really, um, you know what? How what do you make to her? 
uh, all this happening and how it affects Zoe and how it affects this possible future that we are now, now not getting because we're back into boom. What did you make of it? Yeah. Make of that? Um, I think they did a good job of avoiding the cliche. I think that, oh, well, she's pregnant is a cliche in itself. Sure. But I think the way they chose to handle it, they did really well by immediately kind of removing her from the baby. Um, I thought was a, was a clever idea um, and gave her that, 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 that instinct, you know, she had that mothering instinct to, to survive, to get back to her baby. And it was really great seeing the other characters interacting and, and having to step into that role of, of being the mother while she wasn't there. I thought it was well done. Yeah. And I think it was, I think, I agree. I think what is so smart about it is, it, and this is one thing that Joss, and I know he didn't write that one, but you know, his hands are and everything, but the, 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 the reason I think that that was smart is the commentary that it makes about war, being a warrior and what that mm. means. Because Zoe is the warrior. Zoe, I mean, River is a killing machine, but mm-hmm. Zoe is the warrior. Like, I feel like, you know how like you always say like, in, you know, fake, fake battles, like Batman versus whomever. Well, it's always, Batman always wins. It doesn't matter who it is, because he'll out, like if Zoe and River fought, if, if River went evil, I still put my money on Zoe is the only one who could beat River. That's how I feel is how he writes her and how she definitely comes across here. So I think the commentary, like you said, the, the separation from the baby, the, the mothering instinct and the warrior can happen at the same time. And there's never a question like, um, like when the prime minister of New Zealand was pregnant while she, you know, recently, yeah. and somebody asked her what she was going to do. She's like, I, I don't even understand. That's the dumbest. <laughs> she should have said, I can't believe they let you into my press conference. But right, the fact yeah. that, that a woman has to be asked that question, like, how can you be prime minister and have a baby? Well, I mean, I'm not, it's not coming out of my brain. I, I, don't, understand yeah. the, I don't understand the question. Um, so I, I, I feel like that was such a, such a nice, and it's, yeah. it's a, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, you've got kids, so you understand, you know, I mean, seeing. Go on, sorry. No, she no, should no, have said, on, well, you know. with the Serenity comics. I mean, here's a yeah. perfect example. <laughs> That's right. That's what she should have said. Maybe we should send her send her a batch of of the last few Serenity comics. Yeah, that's, that's and so we're all going to move to New Zealand and and live happily ever after. Right. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, what do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. I think um, I think she's she's a wonderful character in the show, isn't she? And she's always had layers throughout. Um, which which was the through the relationship with Wash and through the relationship with Mal, um, the two men in her life. And she was almost like two sides of a coin at times when she's with those two people. Um, so it was a natural progression. I think had it, had it become, a, as you said, five, six, however long season show, it definitely would have happened. Yeah. Um, and we, I think, you know, that's a place we were always going to go. Um, and it was always going to be those two that it was going to happen with. Yeah. Yeah. Kaylee's not having a baby. No. That would have been, that would have been, and I'm glad, and that I'm really glad that, you know, because Kaylee, the, the dichotomy of Kaylee, her girlishness, like, and then the way that she's obviously a, an adult woman with with womanly desires, as she would say, and that comes across really well in the comic too. But yeah, it would, mm. the only one of them who could bring a baby and then keep the baby on the ship, it has to be her. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it just adds that extra layer, doesn't it? And I think why Firefly stands out so much compared to some other shows, despite its you know short run, is the layers that each character has. Um, and I think something like this in the comic, 
for River we've already discussed, for Zoe, we're just adding new layers on top of what was already there. Um, and we're just building that that character up even more, and building the universe up even more, aren't we? Yeah. The verse, I should say. Yeah, the verse. Is there anything in the comic that any of the characters go through in the Dark Horse one, whom notwithstanding, mm. that you don't like? That you that that you were like, ah, eh, I would have preferred, you know, something different. Um, and again, just like you said, with the wash, the wash episode without wash, that's fair. That's your right as a fan to to have a, have criticism. So was there because you know Jane, there is no character development for Jane. Jane is doing, and and they do a great job of keeping Jane Jane. And obviously, we're going to end talking about the preacher style because it's the most, it's the most the shepherd style because it's the most, it's the best and it's the most important in my opinion. Um, Definitely. And I think you agree. I read your review. Yeah. I think we're on the same page there. So the rest of the characters, Shepard, book notwithstanding, was there anything that you thought you didn't care for in the progression of the Dark Horse books? Nothing standing out. Not in Dark Horse, no. Um, I mean, I don't know how you felt about Mal and Anara eventually getting it together. Um, I think that's quite well handled, actually, in the comics. Yeah, I Probably think so, too. better than it might have been in the show. Oh, um, talk about that. Why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I feel like it's it's fleeting in the comics, but the moments they have feel really um, powerful and feel really real. And I don't think they lose any of their individual characteristics um, as characters in the comics. And I, I feel that perhaps in the show, I fear in the show, and yeah, we were talking about this with Nugo earlier today, often we, we strip away individual characteristics in order for the couple to work. Um, and I, f I think that might have happened. We might have softened Mal a little bit. Um, and he's not a character that should be softened, I don't think. That... Yeah, I think that's well said. I agree. Um, yeah, I didn't have any... I, for me, too, I feel like the whole thing was handled really well. Um, with them, that was because Mal always has... Like, the beautiful thing about Firefly is that we meet them and they already exist, except for River mm. and Simon. Mm. They are already... Well, I mean, and the, you know, Shepard comes in on that. They all come in on the same day. But the crew yeah. exists. And so, and Anara is part of the crew and she's already been there. And so there's so much stuff that happens that we never see that gets a chance to unfold in the comic. You can make references to stuff that happened pre-show. And we see a little bit of that here uh, and the way that they dance back and forth. And it's like mm. Mal being such a 12-year-old boy about it. And that always comes through. And I think that comes through really well in the comic and that, again, Joss giving the woman the power, like yeah. it's ultimately Anara's decision how their relationship is going to be, not Mal's. It's never Mal. It's never going to be his decision. And I think yeah. maybe you're right in the, in the show, you know, people in charge, executives wouldn't understand that. And, mm. and yeah, and he, he He'll have to become like a more classic romantic lead or, um, yeah, he'll, as you just said, it'll be the opposite. Machine. He'll have to be the one calling the shots in the relationship because he's the man and she's a woman. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think the comic totally understand those two people and what their dynamic would be together as a couple. Yeah, yeah. Which is Nara puts up with Mal's shit. Because she, and saves because, Well, she saves, the, right. And I love the... Um, Again, and just like with the shepherd's tale, I mean, I would love an Anara's tale, you know, and, and the thing is, yeah. there was always the, the idea that Anara's is going to die. Mm. Um, and, you know, and there's a line in the show where she's like, I just want to live. 
And, and I know Alan Tudyk said something that it was eventually going to be revealed that um, she had a life-threatening illness. And that oh, okay. she, she was going to be the one to die. If the show had yeah. continued, they were going to kill her off. Um, so I feel like that would have also changed things. And mm. I would have actually been interested to see Mal unhinged because Nara's dead. Like with what, yeah. what he becomes without her. Because you see in the comic... And in the Boom comic, too, when they're separated for too long, he, does, he becomes more rash. And it's not, it's not specific. It, it doesn't say, there's not a line. It's like, you know, Mal, when Inara's gone, it's just <laughs> there. Like, I, I like the Dark Horse comics because they trust us. It is a comic that is expanding the verse, but it is also for fans of the verse. I don't know that anyone yeah. would pick up a Dark Horse a Firefly comic with the boom and the new, but the boom ones, it's four people who maybe don't know anything about it. But this, if you hadn't watched the show or watched the movie, mm -hmm. I don't know that yeah. this is for you. Do you think it is? No, I agree. I think you'd be completely lost. Um, unless you're willing to just, just to go with it. But I mean, a bit like you said, it's the beat that I think that's the beauty of the show. And I think a lot of shows I like actually where um, it's get on with it this is what's happening in the world, catch up, and you're gonna enjoy it from this point onwards. So I think unless new people to the comic were willing to do that, yeah, it'd be a real struggle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's probably true. I mean, you, you learn enough, Jane is stupid and River's a badass and yeah. Simon's a brother. You know, like, those things come out, um, but I just think the complexity of the characters and, and, and those moments, the way that the art is handled, when Mal is like angry Mal versus like stern Mal, that comes across. Um, I think the face, the facial uh, work that's done in all of these Dark Horse comics, and that's how you know what's going on in Mal's head when Inara's yeah. around or not around is how he's feeling. Is not how he says because he's always going to talk the same way. It's how he looks and um, some of the looks on his face when you're like, oh shit, you know, like you know. In that, in that moment and for me it's like Mal and Jane it's the same thing like in a fight like in a straight up just like they're gonna get in a boxing match Jane beats the shit out of Mal but yeah. in a real fight like in a street fight there's a zero yeah. percent chance Jane can beat him because Jane's look on his face is always guns and women and money those are the only things that happen yeah. where Mal there's like layers and there's like a smirk here or the way that it's drawn the panel I'm looking at there's just like this there's no words on it. There's just a look on his face and like his eyebrows are furrowed and his mouth is straight. And you're like, oh, whoever he's looking at is totally fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's creative, isn't he? And yeah. also he's not afraid to cheat to win, which what do you, is yeah. fine. You're okay with I'm that? Not, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not a big fighter. I don't think I've ever had a real proper fight in my life. No, me neither. Um, if I was in a position where I had to, I would definitely cheat to win and I wouldn't feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't. He absolutely no. Why would he? Yeah, yeah. He absolutely doesn't. Um, I, I have to say, uh, the and the leaves of the wind covers. I, I know we talk yeah. about cover. Those are fucking amazing. Um, the one of River with the three different faces, where she's like got yeah. her hair and the shaved hair, and then there's the one with Jane with the big knife up next to his face. Um, what did you make of the covers of the individual? Because I because sh we're, we're looking at. So everybody, if you don't know this, and I'll put a link to it. Boom Studio bought the rights to the Dark Horse comics and they've reprinted it and it's called The Legacy. So it's everything that came before all of the things that were in the original canon in one book. So it's every single Dark Horse thing in one book and it's a monster. Um, and so the cool thing is, is all those individual covers are in there. 
Um, so, you know, in general, what do you, like as a comic reader, what do you, what is your feeling about covers? Do they matter? I mean, to me, these are just beautiful. And, and normally we wouldn't talk about them. I was just on Max's show, 1602, where we talked about covers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and then when I was getting ready for this, I'm like, I'm just going to steal Max's thunder and we're going to talk about these covers for a minute. So what do you, what do you make of those? That's a, it's an interesting point. I don't know if they, I don't know if they matter, but I know that I notice if they stand out. Mm -hmm. um, and those first initial um it was just three issues wasn't it this first initial three issues where it was the stark white with the individual characters they're seared in my brain like i remember them forever and actually those first couple of boom um covers like the miniature serenity hanging off like the gun holster are oh, beautiful that that's something you'd want as a poster um so that's definitely something i think throughout the whole of the firefly and now to serenity run they've definitely always got right more than anything. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. even when the, the stuff inside the book is a little shaky. Um, the, the, on the Boom ones, my favorite cover, it washes even in it. There's a, there's a shot, I don't know, I think it's like nine, where Jane has got um, his big gun, and then Zoe's got both her guns pulled, and then Wash is standing there with just his fingers up. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh my God. It was like, like that says everything you need to know about yeah. who these characters are because Gene's got to have his big gun because that's what he thinks he needs. Zoe is like completely open, her coat's open, and she just has two pistols. And then, you know, Wash is like, this is my wife, all I need are my fingers. So I think it, <laughs> it really, it was like my favorite cover. But I think the cover of In Leaves in the Wind with my favorite is the river one yeah. um, with the different heads. But I think they're all really great. And I think all of these, this version, I don't think there's any covers that are bad. I think they really, um, those are all love letters. I think the people who are doing those covers are probably like, oh man, I want to do a Serenity cover. Okay, well just have Jane with an ear around his neck. Okay, cool, I got that. I'm gonna, you know, yeah. and of course he would have that and we're not gonna mention it. And that may or may not be in the book, it's irrelevant, but it's like that one of Jane where the blood is on the knife and the ear is, is on a rope around his neck. Just like, of course it is. It's so good. <laughs> um, it's such a great look at him at him as a character and, and what he is. And, and um, I, I, think, I think the comics have made me appreciate Jane uh, more than the show. What do you think about Jane's, and again, we already talked about, he doesn't grow at all, but in, like, no. through these run of comics, you understand why even more um, and who he is even more. I think that's a really, that's a really interesting point. Um, I watched this with my partner, who'd never mm -hmm. seen it before. That was my, that was my last, his pick. Um, she does read comics, um, tends to be the ones I buy for her. So she's a big Black Widow fan from the MCU. So um, I've bought her a lot of those. And she's a big Jessica Jones fan from the Netflix show. So she's drawn to these kind of strong um, female characters. So, of course, Zoe was, was very appealing to her. Um, Inara, actually, she really enjoyed as a character on the show. Um, I haven't yet persuaded her to read any Firefly. Um, I think she would place Jane as her least favorite character yeah, on the show. I, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So perhaps this is a way in to try and persuade her to, uh, to say, can you, can you learn a bit more about Jane from reading some of these comics? Yeah. Because I think, I mean, like I said, he, he's got three things on his mind. He wants guns, he yeah. wants women, and he, yeah. wants, he wants money. And, and in the show, when he gets the hat and, you know, and he's reading and you learn in that episode, he's almost, he's functionally illiterate. Right, yeah. And yeah. you don't, so that says another, there's a whole other backstory there about Jane. Jane isn't dumb. 
he's uneducated. And, Absolutely, yeah. And that's not, and there's a, such a commentary there. And I think that comes through in the books even more. I'm like, man, that's the one character I would have loved to have seen. And I think Adam Baldwin was, who's, he's got his own issues. You can like or hate his politics. But his Jane Cobb is amazing. And yeah. I think that Jane in the books, he almost becomes sympathetic when you learn how little, how it's not his fault. Like his mother's also uneducated. And there's a commentary there about what else could Jane be? If Jane weren't what he is, what else would he be? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a puppy dog with ang anger management issues, right? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And he and he has um he didn't join the military. He's younger than than Zoe and Mal. So he was born, in my opinion, we don't know this for sure, but he's born after the war. Or he's yeah. just a he's a youngin during the war, maybe. Like so yeah. he couldn't have fought. He didn't get to choose to be in the, you know, for unification or against unification. He didn't get a choice. He just grew up in a war-torn world. Um, yeah. And I think Jane, the, the thing about the Firefly universe is you're, it's a Western in space, of course, but there's this commentary about um, expansion and mm. then what we do to people we send out there to work. Um, so Jane, you can imagine, Jane comes from a line of essentially farm workers and you know, people who are really, who keep, who are essential workers, but who are treated poorly. Um, yeah. I, I know I'm reaching, but that's what I feel when I read this. I'm like, I, I have this whole different sense of Gene, where he becomes a mercenary because he doesn't know what else to do. Because he couldn't fight in the war. He couldn't pick a, he didn't have a choice. And he couldn't, his family couldn't do much else for him. I'm sure he was picking pockets when he was five years old, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um... I will never get that backstory, I don't think, because I don't think there's enough interest in it. But I'm sure no. how he discovered he had these abilities to fight and to shoot guns and probably is fascinating and probably is circumstantial. And as you said, it's far more likely he's grown up being a mother or being a farmer or than it is he's come from a background that's raised him to be this, this thug, I suppose, as such. Yeah, and I think that's why he and Simon on the show and in the comic, that, that's what sh Simon shines the most when he is on panel with his complete opposite, which is Jane. And yeah. because Simon is a boy of privilege and Jane is a boy of, of destitution and they both yeah. end up on the same ship. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. I just, it is fascinating to me. And I think, I think the book, like you said, we're never going to get the Jane miniseries, the Jane backstory. And we don't, and I think it's, I think that's why he's, while he's probably, I get why most women, I would say, not to generalize, probably yeah. think Jane is their least favorite character because he's a sexist dick. Um, yeah. But it's also in the, and in the show, it, you can't, you don't really get a sense of it until that one episode when he gets the hat from his mom. But the, but the book, because that hat shows up in the books and, yeah. and his just, his, like you said, he's a rabid puppy and Zoe and Mal are his masters and he, he bites yep. them sometimes, but he needs them so desperately. And I think that comes out his, the reason he doesn't ever leave is because what would he do? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the one time in the comics, the one time when he's not with the crew, um, is that, that's no start of no power in the verse, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, cause he's disagreed with a decision Mal's made, I think. Shocking. Um, yeah, yeah, quite. <laughs> um, 
the ship feels empty without him. Yeah, there's a right. there's massive Jane-shaped hole. And when you find him again, when he comes back into the comic, he's he's doing nothing. He's at a loss. So absolutely, it's where he needs to be. I think that relationship with Book is really important as well, isn't it? Yeah. That a man like that. Book um, sees value in Jane or, or sees there's more to Jane than everybody else does. And is willing to spend time with him and talk to him, and I think I think that's a massively important relationship for him. Yeah, the only person who can form Jane is Book, and I feel like without Book, that's also Book. Book is gone when Jane is like Jane leaves after yeah. Book is dead too. Yeah. Wash is dead. Book is dead. Jane leaves because not, he and Wash never talk, like ever in the book and in the show. There, they are. And it's not that the actors didn't, I mean, occasionally, but they, there was no reason for them to. They served mm. completely different purposes, so it made a lot of sense for them to not be around each other. Um, and Wash was, you know, I'm sure, Wash was never intimidated by Mal. I'm sure he was intimidated by Jane. Like, Jane probably sure. scared him. Because he's, like, Zoe is such a calculated, controlled person. She kills people, but she does murder, as they say. But she um, is never out of control, where I think Jane scares Wash. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he sees in him like something un unmoored that he wouldn't know how to connect. Where yeah, yeah. Sim yeah, where Book totally does. And so it does make perfect sense with what you're saying is that in the comic without Book, Gene, he thinks he's mad at Mal, but he's really just misses his friend, his only real friend. Yeah, I think so. That's, that's really insightful, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think that's true. And I think Book, so let's do it. Let's get to it. So Book, we learn in the Shepherd's Tale, Book's story. We learned that mm. Book's story is maybe more like Jane's story than we are led to believe. Um, Definitely, yeah. So it's told in reverse order. It starts with Book dying, which we see in the movie. Um, and then we go back and there's a couple of panels of when he joins the crew. And that scene from the, from the pilot is recreated with Kaylee with the umbrella, which is yeah. like my favorite panel in, this, in that book. But it's also one of my favorite shots in the show because Kaylee is... And I know we're not really going to spend time on her because... Um, that, I don't know. She, she's, she's my favorite character because she is who she is. Like she's, she's only interested in like she, nothing ever changes her. Right. Like, and yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's respectable that she's the unwilling to change. Her. She's pure. That's the right word. And in the boom comics, I'm not thrilled with what they're doing with Kaylee, which is my least favorite thing about the boom comics. But um, so anyway, so we go backwards and we see books. We, we learn that there's the one episode when book is shot and the um they they have to take him in right because he's he's an officer so what did you make of book story what how do you feel the first time you read it i know you've read it multiple times so have i when you go back and reread it did you catch things i'll shut up and let you wax poetical because you've written well about this so i would love everyone to hear your thoughts too thanks yeah it's i mean it's so clever isn't it i mean i think every time i read it i almost forget I don't know why. I think I get just so drawn into the story again. Um, and that first half, picking up where Book dies is so clever because immediately you're, you're into that emotion. You're into that, that feeling of loss and, and longing for him to still be around in the show and in the verse, um, in the comics and in the verse, sorry. Um, and then that slow cycle backwards is so clever. And you get, you, as well as the Kaylee uh, recreation, you get, you get Book and Jane doing the weights and mm -hmm. you get the nostalgic feeling. And then as we move into the kind of um, 
era of him being an officer, I think it 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 sends you one way before pulling the rug completely from out from under oh, your feet. It's unreal. And, uh, it's it's I don't know. It's 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 genius. I think because you you get to that panel when you uh, or you get to the the section where uh, book gets sent off in the escape pods and you realize he's made this big mistake and I'm connecting on that. And I'm thinking, Oh wow, this really m- helps him to connect with Mao. That's a really clever move in the comic because Mao was at Trinity Valley and he lost loads of soldiers and that's what drives him as a character. Now we get it. Book really connects with Mao because he lost those soldiers in a war to the independence, ironically. Um, and he lost a part of his identity because of that. Yeah. They're on opposite it- sides of the war. Yeah. But they have the exact same experience. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm like, this is so clever and it makes so much sense. And then suddenly we find out this new bit of information and Book was an independent all along. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think I say it in my review when I reread it, I think my favorite section of the book is when he's, um, He's just kind of lost. He's been, you know, he, he's not an independent anymore because he went into the Alliance and he's not Alliance anymore because they kicked him out and he's um, escape podded and crash landed on this planet. And it's just before he finds his religion and he's in like a soup kitchen and he has this kind of metaphysical conversation with himself about the world and his place and staring at his soup. And then he finds the, the cross. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but um, that's some really moving writing in that section of the comic. Yeah, I um, agree. And I think I'm going to just, I'm going to steal what you just said, and I'm going to jump on it. Your comparison to Mal and Book's parallel universe, you know, coming from opposite ways, sort of. When Mal, and this is, to me, this is the moment in the the Shepherd's Tale that ties most Book to Mal, when Mal first sees Serenity. Right, yeah. That's his saving grace. That's how he knows what to do, because they lost the war. He and Zoe are still browncoats. They're miserable. He finds serenity, and now he's a captain. He's not Sergeant mm. Reynolds anymore, and Zoe's first mate. They're officers all of a sudden, and and so him finding the cross and Mal finding serenity is the same thing. Not, you don't have to have yeah. faith. You don't have to have faith in religion. You you, yeah. you just have to believe in something. And Mal chooses to believe in serenity and Zoe, and Shepherd Book chooses to become well whatever he was colonel book chooses to become shepherd book in that moment yeah that's great yeah um definitely i mean i can totally understand i mean i i I fell in love with serenity the first time i saw her as well so i totally get it (laughs) um yeah and then of course we then continue to cycle back through don't we and we get down to his childhood and um his motivation punch in the face everything you think you know what do you what do you make of that and I don't want to give too much away. We're going to dance a little bit around it just because if yeah. people haven't read Shepherd's Tale, I, there's twist after twist. But um, mm-hmm. what, do you make of, what do you make of that, of the, his childhood? Um, again, I think it helps to tie us into to other characters on the crew, doesn't it? I think um, a man who, like you say, let's try and set this with a bit of dancing, a man yeah. who feels the need to leave his family home helps the time into kind of a river and a Simon story that yeah that there was totally true not connected with parents in that way and that they want different things and um I think I think that's that's another part of the genius of this book is that 
shepherd ties into everybody. Yeah, um, he, you're right. He totally knows what it's like. Because we know that like Mal leaves willingly, like he joins the army, where right, River River's taken and Simon has to run away from everything. Yeah. Right. And Book has to leave his childhood behind. And the, yeah. yeah, that's really well said. I love that. Yeah, that's totally true. And I think, you know, again, that's the reason why he stays on the ship, right? He's with a bunch of mercenaries who are doing crimes and killing people in front of him. And he really struggles with that to begin with. But he sees the value in everybody because of what he's been through himself. Yeah, which is not a great life. He's No. He's pretty vicious. What do you it's make, really tragic, isn't it? What do you think about that? How does that, now that you know, and again, we're not going to total spoil it, but look, mm. we all know... And Jane, interestingly, Jane's the only one who ever is like, knows, because he's a killer. But he sees something in Book who's cold-blooded. And so Mm. we see a little bit of Book's cold-bloodedness that Jane recognized um, and and bonded with, I suppose. So what do you make knowing that Jane was right? Not only, yikes, shit, Jane was right, but also um, (laughs) what do you make to know, you know, when you see that, you're like, well, damn, does that... Does that taint everything that we've done up to this point? No, I don't think so. It's painful. It's painful seeing it. Um, but it doesn't diminish who he is, I don't think. I think it um, it's needs must, isn't it? And What's I'm that? not saying it's needs must, isn't it? And that's not that's in the that's in the first day existing. Yeah. Um, and What's, what's, what's the saying, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? And Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Am I making excuses because it's a character that I like? No, I'm not sure. No, I don't, but... no, I don't think so. I, I, think it's, I think that's the con- – that, that is the conversation, I think, Joss – because Joss and Zach did this one together. Zach wrote the yeah. dialogue, wrote it, wrote it, but Joss and he scripted this one together. This was this – we would have seen this. This was going to happen. Yeah. We were going to know this story – and, you know, unfortunately, like this was kind of a love letter to Ron Glass, too. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's this is the one that is the most personal to them because they loved him as an actor and as and what he brought, the humanity he brought to book. Mm. Uh, you know, and so I feel like it's a little bit of that, too. But um, no, I, I think we we are forced to have questions when we finish Shepherd's Tale because it's told in reverse order, which is super yeah. again, Chris, Christopher Nolan of them, but really smart. Um, because we see book at the end, like you said, it ties us nostalgia. That whole first issue is us remembering everything from the movies and the show about book. And so we're, we spend one whole issue just loving him again and realizing what a great guy he is. And then you're like, Oh, damn. And I guess the question we're left is, is, you know, like kind of the sum of our parts, that idea Mm -hmm. of everything that book has gone to turned him into this guy. So when we find out he's a killer and he's a traitor and he's a turn, you know, he's a, he's not only, he's a spy, he's all these things. Mm-hmm. He does terrible stuff. Book isn't even his name. Right. Yeah. He's, he's not even, you know, like that's, but does that mean that the shepherd book we know is fake? Could he have been this person if he hadn't had all these experiences? That's the question we have to ask. And, and how far back in your life, like you're 40, I'm 47. Like, do you want to be held accountable for something stupid you did when you were 15? Oh, absolutely not. No. How, which one are you referring to, Tony? Um, <laughs> which stupid thing? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Them. The whole year, your 15th year. Um, Definitely not. 
Um, yeah. I think no. I think I think, and I think the book gives you the answer. I don't think you, I don't think you do at all. Uh, this time when I read it, actually, I read it as you would from the beginning, which is the end, to the yeah. end, which is the beginning, and then I literally read it all the way back through the other way. Did you? I should have done that. Tell me about but that process. Not. Yeah, obviously not page by page because you can't. But I went back to the start of each segment of the story yeah. um, to see how that felt. Um, it was fascinating, actually. And I don't think I would have wanted to have read the comic chronologically as a read. I think they've made the right decision to lay it out that way. Um, but I think that brings into focus. And I think that's where I was talking, you know, asking before about like my favorite section that brings that section into deeper focus for me, because you need to know what's gone before for that moment to be so meaningful. Um, and as you said, he's chosen to find religion, to find himself and to find his way in the verse. Mal chooses his ship. But, um, yeah, it, you, you need to have understood what he, he's done and the decisions he's made for right or wrong that led him to this path. Um, and no, definitely no accountability. Well, no, not no accountability, but no, it doesn't change who I, what I think of him as a character. Yeah, because I think, I agree, I think he's showing his accountability by being by being an officer, by being a turncoat, by being an independent, a secret independent, by becoming, well, like he's homeless for a while. And he, yeah. he doesn't, during that time, he's not, he's not turned to crime. Interestingly, mm. once he mm. becomes a part of Serenity, screw, he turns back to a life of crime um, just because by nature of being on the ship, right? Like he's yeah. not, um, but, but, you know, so, so we see his growth as a man, we see his growth spiritually, whether you have faith or not, it doesn't matter. It's the choice yeah. that he makes. And it's almost like, um, you know, the, the alcoholics, when they, you know, when they go through their 12 steps, one of them is finding a higher, higher power. It doesn't mean you have to like believe in Jesus or whatever, but it just means like you mm -hmm. have to say, I have to just like find my moment and, and hope for a sign to come to me. I need to turn my life over. Like just say, I can't control everything. That's the whole point. And I think with yeah. book, when he realizes I can't control everything, I can control what I can control and I can learn from being a street rat and being all these things. So now I can spend these last 10, 20 years of my life doing the best that I can. I can't undo the terrible things I've done. Yeah. Right. And he you can't, sorry. No, you go. No, I'm just to follow on really. I mean, and even once he is that within that criminal element, and of course he does take part, but only really, I think when he must and wants to protect the others, he still has that code, doesn't he? He won't yeah. kill anybody now at this point. He won't right. be involved in, in death, even if it's of somebody who probably deserves it. Um, so he wouldn't have got to that place as a person if he hadn't had that journey. Um, yeah, so I think it's important. It's important. And I think his is the character, really, that had the mystery, that had that enigma that was set up in the show the, the whole time, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, it makes sense they were going to pay it off at some point. Um, and what, what a way to do it, definitely. Yeah, this is, of all of these, this is the one I would like to see made. I would like right. them, like in a Moonlight, did you see the movie Moonlight where they had three different actors yeah. playing the same? That, they could do that with this, where you could get three or four different actors to play a book. Mm. And, and I would love to see it. I, I, I just think, because you could use the clips from the movie of Ron Glass, you could you know, edit, fancy edit that together, and then you could make it. And I just think because, unfortunately, 
and I don't remember to whom I was just saying this, but like the amount of people might've been just, I just interviewed Justin Greenwood, the artist for Stumptown and everything. I think it was him who said, it's like, look, the, the number of, of people who, who read comic books is so small. And, and mm. we were talking about Stumptown, it was him. So he's like, you know, here's the show Stumptown, which unfortunately just got canceled again. But you know, millions and millions of people watched it. So his, his ideas were out there in the world and so many reaching so many more people because it was just a TV show where the comic has all these really deep, thoughtful things. So I feel like of all of this Dark Horse stuff, The Shepherd's Tale is so important that even if it were made not as a Firefly thing, just made as a yeah. thing, call it The Shepherd's Tale if you want to set it on Earth that was, or set it in now, but tell this story. I think it's so important because um, it gets at the heart of what the show is, but it also gets the heart of like, it, it, it's, this is the one story that moves beyond a comic book. It is like literature without a doubt. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And it absolutely could exist. Strangely, I hadn't thought of this before. So you just said it. it could have could exist outside of the show. I agree. And it is. I mean, um, let's not be little comics here on a comics podcast. And I'm not I'm not doing that. At no, all. I, no I love, by all means. I, it, it is a cut above. It definitely is. It's it's it's, it's an elevated form of art here. This, without this a doubt. Particular. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that it's drawn, the shading, um, it, it's it's colored beautifully. It's written beautifully. It was, it was definitely crafted with more love. Like all the rest of the books I really enjoy. And, and like we said at the beginning, River Stories, growth is really important. And, and Kaylee's Purity, all these things are important. But Baby, all of that's important. And it's a great story. I love the verse. But The Shepherd's Tale, right, is, it is above them all. It is, is above everything. that I think it's the finest bit of writing Joss Whedon has ever done. Um, mm. I, I, you know, just because he's, it, it clearly there's some, and again, if you want to make this connection to all these people like, well, Joss Whedon's an asshole. And when he was young, well, maybe that's, this is him saying, look, yeah, maybe I was, maybe I did some terrible things and I've grown and, and I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm, I'm acknowledging my mistakes and I've become a sure. better person, you know? So, and we can all be that. Like I said, I don't want to be 15 again. People are like, if I could get in a time machine, like I would just go punch myself right in the nose. Be like, oh, God, man. you're such a jackass. I mean, forget 15, you know, 25, 30, I mean. Yeah, up until your kids were born, you're like, God, yeah, what, yeah, the hell was, what was I thinking? And there's even sometimes with the kids, I was like, ooh, probably didn't handle that. I, I, can, I can promise there's times I'm like, I did not handle that right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but that's the point of this is, is in all of its ugliness, this shows us somebody's life, somebody that we love. And that was because... His book is probably no one's favorite character, but he's no one's least favorite character. He's the most, you know, he's like, well, River is the MacGuffin, he's the glue. And we see that, again, without him, what happens to Jane. Um, And and so it's just such a, it's just great. And it comes right in the middle of this series too, right? Of this way it's collected. It's kind of the the meat in the sandwich too. Um, Which I actually would have liked, and I know they kind of released these chronologically in the collection. I think the smart thing would have been to put this at the end. Okay, so build up to. Yeah, I would have thank you for this hardcover. If someone hasn't read yeah. all the Dark Horse ones and gets this, and I would just say to anyone, because you can read these, this, if, you, if you're going to get the, the Dark Horse collection, that's my recommendation, is read this one last. I think, right. I think it, it gives you an insight into everything from the show, the movie, and the previous Dark Horse comics is to read this one. Because then it's just the best. You always want to save the best for last anyway, right? Yeah, fair. And it covers the whole kind of... Um... Well, from, be- 
from before the beginning to to the end, doesn't it? Of the, of yeah. what we know. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Well, I, I'm glad you loved it too. And and um, oh, I don't know. It's it's you know it's one of those things too. It's like you, where you're like, well, Patton Oswalt, why does he get to write a thing? This is kind of one of those things. It's like Joss Whedon, you're not winning an Eisner, but the fact that this didn't win anything is silly. How did anybody read that? How did anybody read this and be like standalone, you know, short story? This how this didn't win that year. I, I'd have to go look to see what did win that year. But it was, I can say, pretty assuredly, it probably wasn't this good. Uh, I'm not sure. There's many things I've read that is this good. If I'm honest, so yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. It, it, and, and again, I think even if you've never, if you are, if you've never, if you just only have an inkling of Firefly. This, like you said, this stands alone outside the universe. And right. you don't have to know. If you don't know, it starts with a man's death and we see his life in reverse order. So you could hand it to anybody ever. That's my Definitely. take. Yeah, that's my take. And I always know that's my last question is who would you give this to? So who do you think, mm. who do you, specifically the shepherd's tale, who do you think in your life or a type of person would benefit the most? Like for me, I would argue, and of course it would be lost on him because he's a giant buffoon, but like, the president of my country could use <laughs> some thoughtful reflection on his life and maybe a comic book might be his speed. Although this is really, there's some words in here that he probably doesn't know, but um, well, yeah. you know, that's what I would, I would wish someone would say like, Hey, can you just take however long it would take you to read this? Um, this is a thing about reflection uh, uh, and yeah. growth. So that's who I would recommend it to if I could. But who would, yeah, who's, who do you, would you think would benefit that most from reading The Shepherd's Tale? The Shepherd's Tale. I mean, I think you're anybody that's feeling, and we all have it at a certain point in our life, don't we? That's feeling any kind of emotional um, or mental crisis. So they've got something that's getting them down. I think this is a book. Maybe we're making too much of it. I don't know, but this is a bit that could maybe pick you up. That shows. There, there is always a way forward. There's always a way to, to keep moving and to try and better yourself. Um, this book in particular, I think, you know, we're talking about it, but it's, it's poetry, it's art, it's comics, it's all of that together. I think, um, you know, often art can, can lift you up, can't it, from a place, um, can make you see things from a different, somebody else's perspective. And this is the type of art, I think, that, that can do that. I agree. I don't, you said just a second ago, maybe we're giving it too much. I don't think so. I think you're right. I think what you said, this is a cut above any other. And, and I read a ton of comics. There's some really amazing life-changing comics. There's some that are, um, that are, you know, I think what Mark Russell did with Billionaire Island and what he did with, with Just Finished and what he did with Second Coming is like so smart and way thoughtful and like will really change the way, it should change the way you see yourself and see the world. And there's some really great, stuff but this because this is such introspective even yeah. though you may not look like shepherd book and you may not be a, a minister and you don't live in the verse but there it's such a human story in a, in a story in a space opera this is the thing the reason that firefly works and i think the reason you and i both love it is it's a human story joss whedon is so good with everything he does is making them people He's the mm -hmm. one in the Avengers who made Natasha and Bruce a couple, which I don't care for. I think that's stupid. But he's the one who kind of threw that in there because he's trying to humanize them a little yeah. bit. You've got a monster and an assassin, and he's trying to humanize them. Well, how do you do that? Well, what's something everyone can relate to? A rela a you know, they can love each other. And so, um, you know, this is like the reason Fantastic Four is, is like 
so iconic is because they're a dysfunctional family and we can all relate. And I think sure. that's where Firefly is, right? We can all relate to a dysfunctional family, but this is like the patriarch of the family's life and he's important. Ah, it's just so good. Yeah, completely. Um, I don't know if you ever a show called Afterlife, a Ricky Gervais show on Netflix. No, I've heard Chris Phelps talks a lot about it. I should watch it. So this is another, you know, when it, this this idea of like watching art that can elevate your mood and can make you understand it. I think I think I'm, I would put that in Shepherd's Town, that kind of realm of really okay. I'm writing it down. Yeah. And I have recommended it to to, to somebody who um, you know was in a bad place, and they watched and they said Gen- genuinely thank you. That was something that that helped me see you know, other people in this place and, and it can make you feel better. And I think, I do think this could do that as well. Oh, well, I'm, I'm in, I'm in for that. Where, where is it? Where can I find it? It's just on Netflix. I oh, mean, is it? Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've been actually going through the West Wing because we're trying to pretend that we have a president who knows <laughs> how to read. Um, so anyway, this has been so good. I know we talked a lot about the show, but it was kind of impossible not to. Uh, when you're reading a comic that's based on a, a, instead of the other way where it's a, you know, like if we're just reading the comic and there's a movie, you know, usually at the end, like I'm, Scott Pilgrim's show came out today. And so we talked yeah. mostly about the comics, but we have to talk about the movie at the end where for this, we had to talk about the show and the movie so we could get into it. So I appreciate you just kind of, this is a little bit of a different format than I normally do, but I think it thought it went pretty well. Yeah, definitely. I enjoy, you know, there's time to, time to get to delve into comics in even more detail. Yeah, it was so great. Well, tell everybody in the world, I will link to everything, um, all your stuff on the interweb. Say it out loud for the audio learners like myself. Sure. So um, I just tend to do most stuff on Twitter. So I am Jack's Musings is my, my handle I use on there. And then I just publish my random thoughts and reviews and, like he said, bullet point notes on stuff as they come to me on my WordPress site under the same name. I'm Jack's Musings. And the thing is that I love is like, I never know what I'm going to get. Like sometimes there's stuff I've never even heard of that I learned from you, like stuff I've, I've missed, uh, but it'll be like a show or it'll be just a comic or it'll be um, a movie. Like I watched this movie. Didn't you do DOA not that long ago? Like uh, the both versions? Oh. Of, uh, yeah. Or yeah. Did you just yeah, watch the original? I just watched the original. Yeah. So yeah, I've, yeah. I've read a book called The Long Take, which... Um, reference a lot of noirs so i went on a deep dive into some noir for a while yeah yeah that's a good movie that original is really good and the remake was fine too with with dennis quaid but yeah it was just like so it's just like you never know what you're gonna get and that's what i love about your website your reviews because it's like today it's gonna be this i don't have i i'm not you don't ever do music though i don't i'm not sure i have the the vocabulary for music i don't know that's totally fair i mean because right it's kind of like that's awesome I, I thought that was good, you yeah. know, right? If you're not a music critic. Yeah, but so comic books and movies and TV shows, your reviews are amazing and I, I love it. And like I said, there's sometimes there's stuff I've never even heard of. Um, so this was so fun. I appreciate it. And I know we kind of ended on a downer, but but I agree, like Shepherd's Tale, it feels like a downer, but it really is uplifting and it really gives mm, you so good. Yeah, it's so good. And it is, again, to my, my opinion, the best thing Joss, Joss Whedon's ever done is Firefly. But that one particular story is special uh yeah definitely it stands well we'll let's use that phrase again it stands a cut above everything else definitely yeah i agree well i thank you so much for being on thanks Tony. yeah it's been great this really enjoyed so it fun yeah and i think we should talk off air and and we'll we'll chat back and forth and if you're if you're keen uh maybe sometime in a few months we'll pick something else something maybe great. We, something maybe shorter where we don't have like cause I, we, we barely touched it we didn't even get to talk about kaylee because 
I think we were overly ambitious with this, trying to trying to do 500 pages of comics in an hour and a half. So um, yeah, maybe. But we'll pick something a little tighter. We'll look at at some other indie stuff, and and I'll have you back on if you if you want to. I would love that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Well, everybody can find me online at Tricycle Boombox. That's my Twitter handle, or you can go to my website arfarina.com. You can send me messages there if you are not on Twitter. Um, because I know not everybody is. People, not everyone who listens to this, I'm only on Twitter as my social media, so you can find me there. And I've just released a new public service announcement uh, song, so I would hope everyone will listen to that. You'll see that on my Twitter. Um, it's just a reminder about mask wearing, and I hope it's pleasant. Um, it's not, it's rated R, so, but it's, it's definitely fun. So thanks for coming on, and I think the only way to end is with Firefly theme song, don't you think? I definitely agree. And listen to that song. It's great. It's got a real Flight, flight of the Concords vibe. I enjoyed it very much. Oh, my song? Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Wow. Flight of the Concords. That's, oh, I'm retired. I'm done. Tricycle <laughs> Boombox is out. That's amazing. Oh, I love them. So anyway, thanks again, man. I really appreciate thanks, it. Man. All right. We'll see everybody next time. I'm still free You can't take the sky from me Take me out to the black Tell them I ain't coming back Burn the land and boil the sea You can't take the sky from me There's no place I can't be since I found serenity. You can't take the sky from me. I don't care, I'm still free You can't take the sky from me Take me out to the black 
Tell them I ain't coming back Burn the land and boil the sea You can't take the sky from me There's no place I can't be Since I found serenity You can't take the sky from me